Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee, along with Francine Lacroix, 730 on Wall Street. We've been talking about it all day. The Federal Reserve meeting this afternoon, the big story in the U.S. economy. But lest we forget, a huge earnings day. A lot of numbers out. A number in the financial space overseas. Barclays, a large loss, not as bad as expected. Pre-tax profit falls 25%, stock getting hammered. Banco Santander stock is going up, beats estimates, even though net income fell 5%. Nomura unexpectedly posting a quarterly loss. First time in more than four years, 19.2 billion yen. For those of you who can't calculate in your head, that's $173 million. Comcast reported it gained subscribers and revenue, made 84 cents a share, beat analyst projections of 79 cents a share. Carlisle Group, first quarter profit, declined 78%. Holdings did not appreciate as much as a year earlier. Just out now, Boeing, First quarter core earnings per share at dollar seventy four. That is lower than the dollar eighty four consensus estimate. Although they are reaffirming their forecast for the year, we could also mention United Technologies adjusted earnings dollar forty seven. The forecast was for a dollar forty sales thirteen point four billion uh, projection for thirteen point two. So on balance, better than forecast earnings. Uh, not doing a lot for futures at the moment. S and P futures off by six points. Now let's bring in Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Thank you very much, Mike. Democrat Hillary Clinton and Republican Donald Trump had strong nights in Tuesday's primaries. Trump won all in the five states, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Connecticut, Delaware, and Rhode Island. Trump took a swipe at rival John Kasich. We have millions more votes than Kasich. I mean, Kasich now, I guess he was 1 in 41, so now he's 1 in 46. Why is he here? Hillary Clinton won four out of five, only losing in Rhode Island to Bernie Sanders. Belgian prosecutors say a key suspect in last November's Paris attacks that killed 130 people has been handed over to French authorities. Salah Abdeslam was arrested in Belgium last month. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Mike Lubar. Mike. Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stasha. Thanks, Mike, for six innings. Looked like it would not be the Mets' night. And then everything changed in the seventh. A Ioannis Cespedes pinch hit, three-run homer. Curtis Granderson tripled. David Wright singled. Mets with four in the seventh. Beat Cincinnati 4-3 to three for their fifth win in a row, tenth in the last 12. Yankees never in it at Texas. Lost 10-1. Rangers scored six runs in the third inning off Luis Severino, who's now 0-3 with an ERA approaching seven. Yanks got just four hits off Rangers starter A.J. Griffin. NBA playoffs, Toronto trailed by 17, by 13 in the fourth quarter, but rallied past Indiana, 102-99 for a 3-2 series lead. DeMar DeRozan, 34 points for the Raptors. Paul George, 39 for the Pacers. Atlanta all over Boston, 110-83 for a 3-2 lead. Clippers host Portland tonight. Series is 2-2. The Clippers' top two players are out. Blake Griffin, a leg injury. Chris Paul, a broken hand. And no Steph Curry for Golden State. is up 3-1 on Houston. Islanders have a second-round playoff game. First time since 1993. They'll open their series at Tampa Bay. Winston Hill, key member of the Jets' only Super Bowl team, has died at the age of 74. The Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashen. 
Thank you very much, uh, John. We're uh, watching markets deteriorate. NASDAQ futures off by 49 points right now, 1.1%. Apple disappoints on earnings, and we're seeing a number of downgrades this morning from uh, different firms. Price target, uh, for example, lowered to uh, 120 from 135 at Nomura. Closed yesterday at 104, now in the 90s. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee, along with Francine Lacroix. She is sitting in for Tom Keene, who is somewhere out there in the world on vacation. We've noted that uh, he has uh, sand in his toes, and uh, they take dollars where he is. We'll give you one more clue. They drive on the left-hand side, for those of you trying to figure out where Tom is this morning. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here's John Tucker. All right, let's uh, see what's making news in science, uh, technology, engineering, and math, Michael. China's government armed with about $339 billion. That is the biggest pot of money for startups in the world they're trying to cultivate a bonanza in the technology industry. The nation's economy is in transition. Planners are trying to reduce reliance on heavy industry and current shifts toward consumption and innovation. State-backed funds in China and enterprises are championing some of the biggest private investment rounds, tapping into China's buoyant Internet sector for better returns. Well, Berlin has surpassed London as Europe's top venture capital destination. A pair of VC firms now are poised to extend that lead even further. The city actually eclipsed London last year with $3.4 billion pumped into German startups. That's about as five times as much as in 2013. About 70% of that total went to companies in Berlin, home of Europe's biggest startup factory, Rocket Internet. Now, two VC firms there, Project A Ventures and Cherry Ventures, are raising significant new funds. And that is this morning's Bloomberg NGIT STEM report. Thank you, John Tucker. Well, it is Central Bank Day. The Federal Reserve, the Bank of Japan, both going to meet. The Fed expected to do nothing. The Bank of Japan, well, you heard Mickey Levy earlier on surveillance television say he expects something big from them that could actually see them buying stocks. David Kotak is the founder and chief investment officer of Cumberland Advisors, and you're the perfect one to have right now because what Mickey was suggesting, and others have as well, is that if the Bank of Japan were to get into buying equities, they would do it through ETFs. And your business is buying and selling uh, ETFs, portfolios full of uh, ETFs. If they do that, uh, what could they buy that would have an impact on the Japanese economy? Well, Mike, good morning. It's always nice to see you. The uh, the Japanese Central Bank has an ETF that they use to buy a basket of stocks, a very large basket, but not the full basket of the Japanese market. My suspicion is they would continue with the manner in which they are buying Japanese stocks, and they have been enlarging that. They did tease the market with some discussion of an exit a few years from now and pulled that right back. Um, My guess is that essentially the Bank of Japan is going to be a permanent owner of Japanese companies. I don't see how they could ever sell. But a broad index. Uh, Broad index. 
does it include every sector? In, in other words, I'm trying to get at how it helps the economy. Is this an effort to boost companies or an effort to boost stock prices? Well, it boosts stock prices. I mean, the central bank essentially has unlimited capacity to buy. They take inventory of stocks off the market when they do because they become a permanent holder. And therefore, the rest of the stock prices rise. Second thing is they get a transmission of some positive wealth effect out of the stock market. Now, we know that's kind of small, 1% or 2% conversion a year, but there is a positive wealth effect. And they inject more liquidity. So it's a version of QE, just, well, just like JGBs or bonds or other things. As an ETF investor, do you look at what they're buying and say, well, I'll just buy because I know the price is going to go up because the Bank of Japan is going to buy. We do. We actually use five different ETFs to get to various uh, combinations of things in the Japanese market. Japan is our largest overweight in the international ETF strategy we apply. Uh, uh, the benchmark uh, weight is about 18%, and we have that position approximately 18% currency hedged, and the excess, about 7 to 8%, is not currency hedged. And so we reach all aspects of the Japanese market. I look at the Japanese market. I see an equity risk premium double that of the United States with a central bank that's stimulative and with an economy that is going to get an additional injection of defense spending, and I can see defense spending in Japan rising from current level of 1% of GDP, which it has been for decades, to 25 or 3 That money will be spent with Japanese companies. There's an interlocking directorate structure in those companies. I think Japan itself is a huge bullish stock market story. And if you look at the nature of Japan with the military activity with China and North Korea, you can't blame Japan for entering into a new era of rising defense expenditure. So as an investor, bullish on, on Japan, very bullish on Japan. As a concerned citizen of the world, I don't like what I see in the South China Sea. All right. We'll continue our conversation with David Kotak, the uh, Nikkei. Finished down by 63 points today. That is four-tenths of a percent. So far for the year, it is down 1.9%, although it did rally in the last couple of weeks, perhaps on expectation that the Bank of Japan will do more. U.S. futures are lower. S&P futures off by five points right now, two-tenths of a percent. Dow futures off 39 that is also a two-tenths decline. The Federal Reserve decides 2 p.m. this afternoon here on Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited-time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 85 years. Learn more at ADR.org. 
Boeing reporting a $156 million after-tax accounting loss as cost overruns for the first refueling tankers built under a U.S. Air Force contract overshadowed improvements in cash flow and the company's 787 Dreamliner production. Shares are down 1.7% in early trading. General Dynamics reporting profit that beat analyst estimates on higher sales for the unit that supplies vessels to the Navy. Comcast, GlaxoSmithKline, United Technologies, and Anthem also beat. ExamWorks Group, which supplies independent medical examination and other services, agreed to be bought by a unit of the private equity firm Leonard Green & Partners for about $2.2 billion in cash. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning after Apple's first sales drop in more than a decade sapped investor sentiment about corporate earnings before a policy update by the Federal Reserve. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down four points. Dow E-mini futures down 36. NASDAQ E-mini futures down down 48. The DAX in Germany is up four tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up five thirty seconds. The yield one point nine zero percent. Nymex crude oil up two percent of eighty seven cents to forty four ninety a barrel. Comex gold up four tenths percent or four dollars forty cents to twelve forty seven eighty an ounce. The euro a dollar thirteen oh six. The yen one eleven point three five. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Mike and Francine. All right. Thank you very much, Karen Moscow. Federal Reserve meets today. Bank of Japan meets tonight. David Kotak going to be interested in both of them. He's the chief investment officer at Cumberland Advisors. We were talking about the Bank of Japan and what they might do. We should, I suppose, talk a little bit about the Fed and what it won't do, but maybe what it says. They're not going to change policy. Well, if they did change policy today, I think everybody would fall off their chair and the market would fall out of bed. (laughs) But how do they... Yeah. Uh, what do they say? Do they? This is a question. Everybody says, well, they want to signal that they could raise rates ahead. But do they? Is there any percentage in it for them to do anything other than get out of town as quietly as possible? I think that's the right thing to do. Hold the meeting with a conference call and everybody go home because there's nothing to do. And anything they do that derails market expectations hurts the outcome. So if you want to, I saw you or listened to you just a few minutes ago do a yen dollar calculation in your head from trillions to billions. And if you want to change that relationship abruptly so you have to recalculate, let the Fed do a surprise today. Uh, George Kinkawa said, though, that uh, the Fed has to start preparing the markets if they want to move in June. Well, I think there's something to that, and whether it's June or not, I don't know. We we kind of think that'll wind up a pushback till August because of the political questions in Europe, and the Fed doesn't want to in any way try to derail or... In June, uh, they meet right the week before the Brexit vote. Well, you got Brexit vote, and now you have Spain, and you have questions about Greece, and, you know, the the cauldron is boiling in, in the European Union, and so August is a much easier time in the calendar and not so close to the election as to get into the political uh, elements, although we'll see. The Fed will say we don't pay any attention to politics, but you look at the history of it and you see that the Fed doesn't do much often before elections and does more after them in election year. So we'll see how it goes. But if the, you've had messaging. Eric Rosengren, pegged as a dove for a long time, now making sort of we've got to start edging into normal raising rates mode. Charles Evans, another one. 
Dove from Chicago doing the same thing? We're seeing the rhetoric is changing. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, it's been noted that the rhetoric is changing from the bank presidents, but not from members of the Federal Reserve Board. You don't live in Washington. Uh, do you see inflation elsewhere in the country? No, I do. well, I don't see inflation in the general sense of the price levels. And we look at all the measures of them all the time. But they are flat to up as opposed to flat to down. And depending on the nuance, you can argue we're in the very early stages of a rising trend. Then you go around the country and you see places where there's a building boom, Sarasota, Florida. We have all these cranes in here. We're going to have 5,000 dwelling units, and they're selling at 2 million and 4 million and all kinds of crazy numbers. And you say this is going on in a lot of places. So are we starting some early phases of a bubble that maybe two, three years from now it really explodes? Is there a sign? Can the Fed lean against the wind with another quarter-point hike? Can the Fed funds rate be 1% at the end of this year? Yeah, I kind of think the answer is yes. Can we get a bubble with this new meh economy? I don't know. We don't know. And we have certainly not overheating. No, we're not overheating. But we also have another. We've got a tug-of-war going. I'd call it a tug-of-war. In the United States, it's one-fourth of the world. We're trying to get interest rates up trying to figure out how to do it and not derail the recovery. In another quarter of the world, we have negative rates and they're spreading. We now have a sixth currency. Hungary went to a negative rate as part of its policy. Now, Hungary it doesn't is not an earth-shaking economy in size, but this is a spreading element. So you've got a quarter of the world, positive rates to the U.S. trying to go up, you got a quarter of the world in negative rates spreading going down, and the other half of the world, if you inventory the other half of the world, more are lowering rates than raising rates, which is a downward pressure on bond price, bond yields. Now, what does the Fed do? Fed hikes a quarter, the yield curve gets flatter. Heads hikes another quarter, the yield curve gets even more flat. So those kinds of the elements are very strange for monetary policy making. Uh, one area of the world where we're seeing uh, talk of uh, additional rate cuts, Australia, no inflation there. They, they actually had uh, negative inflation numbers for the first quarter. And the Australian dollar is now down 2% uh, against the dollar. Um, I'm a dollar bull. I think the Fed hikes, the dollar gets stronger because I'm looking at the spreads between our U.S. policy rate, which is plus 50 basis points on excess reserves deposited at the Fed, and negative rates on excess reserves deposited at central banks, the marginal dollar. That spread is widening. We go up. It widens. They go down. It widens. Both happen. It widens twice. And the power is enormous. And then you have to say to yourself, why about half of the excess reserves deposited at the Fed are by 
American subsidiaries of foreign banks. Why are they placing them there? Is that the safest place in the world? Do you do currency exchanges and put dollars with our Fed? Does that meet your liquidity coverage ratio that you're going to have to have in place? And the answer is yes. So I think there's very, very bizarre forces taking place that are affecting policy. Well, speaking of very bizarre forces, um, now, leave aside your personal views, but as a market participant, do you care about what's happening in the presidential race? Well, of course I care. I mean, I would like to see an outcome of the presidential race that allows repatriation of foreign-held trillion-dollar balances converted back to dollars and deployed in the United States. And wouldn't it be wonderful if a portion of those funds rebuilt the infrastructure of the country? Candidates talk about it. Will they act about it? Will the next president, the next Senate, and the next House, whatever they look like, do it? So that seems to me to be the major issue underway. All you have to do is go through LaGuardia and look at the construction underway and think about what LaGuardia has been like since Fiorello LaGuardia was born. And you say to yourself, gosh, you know, if we do this with all the roads and bridges and airports and sewer plants and water companies in the country, we would have a massive reconstruction. We could finance the entire thing at very low interest rates, and America would be so much better off. Now, there is talk. Will this election take that issue and translate it, and it could be funded with a repatriation change in the tax code? David Kotak, ever the dreamer, right? Why not? Let's dream. Let's <laughs> well, do it. All right, before we let you go, got to ask you a question. I know a lot of people on Wall Street, like you, uh, love to get out on the, the nation's rivers and lakes, the world's rivers and lakes. It is uh, end of April. Where, where would you want to fish right now? Well, <laughs> everywhere and any time. <laughs> any place better than another for this time of year. You know, the, the, the teaching of the Bible is that God gives you only so many days on the planet, but does not count the ones you spend fishing. <laughs> we'll leave it there. David Kotak, Chief Investment uh, Officer and founder of Cumberland Advisors, thank you for coming in this morning, and um, we'll see you out on, on the river very soon, I hope. Uh, right now, we are looking at a real bifurcation in markets. Europe's all up, U.S. all down. The FTSE is up by five points. The DAX by 37. The CAC 40 in Paris is 12 points higher. But in the U.S., S&P futures are off six points. That's a three-tenths decline. Dow futures down 42, two-tenths. And NASDAQ futures just continue to deteriorate. Bad tech news from Apple and others. 50 points lower right now, 1.1%. This is Bloomberg Radio.